All right. Can you hear me okay? So I, I really need to start and just thank you for praying for us and those cool cards and things we get, you know, at Christmas time and during the year. They are so amazing. So blessed to get them and just to know that there's people praying for us and just to actually be here now and see you is just really a blessing. In fact, um, when you see the couple up there, you know, it'll come up in a little bit, but you'll see Lawrence and Cammie Roth, and it's the individual that was laughing during the service in 2019, who now has a full ride at the Master Seminary. But the story, it'd take, you know, the whole time to tell his story, but uh, if you go to our website, in fact, there's prayer cards on your tables. On the back is our website, which this, oh, there they are, Lawrence and Cammie and Dylan Grace. Um, Jose Rosales, we met him when he got out of prison. Uh, he's now on staff here. I think he might be going to, to uh, seminary as well. And so it's really cool that, you know, no, it's not the vast majority of the individuals that get out of prison and jails that, you know, walk with God. And it's, for the most part, it's not the mass majority in the prisons and jails that, you know, are open to the things of God. But for the ones that are, and I'll just speak for L.A. County this morning, it's like we can't keep up. We've got like, you know, two, 3,000 inmates that are very interested in the things of God so what I'm going to do is I'm just going to go back down into memory lane a little bit. And I just, you know, my prayer being here today is that um, this is about God. This is about how God transforms life. And um, I have some individuals that come into the jail and they want to speak. And I believe they love the Lord, but sometimes they do what I call, what I call is a bragamony instead of a testimony. And so we don't really care for bragamonies in the jail because we don't save people and we don't cause the increase. We plant and we water and God's the one that saves. But just to give a little bit of context, I grew up in Bacoima, which is not too far from here. I fit right in because I look Hispanic. I'm actually 100% Italian. And you wonder why a Chinese woman would marry me, right? But at any rate, I grew up in Bacoima and I didn't grow up in a bad home. You know, I wasn't, you know, beaten when I was little. My parents weren't. We did not grow up in a Christian family, but I grew up with a good home. But, you know, I just uh, knew better than mom and dad. I call it the know-it-all years where they know nothing and you know everything. So I joined a gang when I, in, in Pacoima, a junior high gang. And then later on, it just led me into, uh, you know, doing a little drinking, a little marijuana. Then I ended up being a drug dealer and a drug addict. And so when I, I almost died from an overdose and... When I came out of it, I was working at General Motors and just dealing cocaine and whatever to make money and stuff like that. You know, he who has the most toys when he dies wins. And uh, basically uh, what ruled my life was the, the opposite of, uh, you know, First John, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life. It's just like, this is what, you know, like, this is good. This is why you, how you'll be happy, just a lot of money and do all the fun stuff. So a friend of mine at General Motors started coming to Grace Church, and I did all the wrong stuff with him, but he invited me here one day. I listened to a message by MacArthur in August of 1979, which by, by uh, coincidence was Clayton Herb's first day. But, uh, so I met Clayton back then, and uh, you know, my friend said, you want to go speak to the counselor? And I'm like, well, yeah, I mean, he could learn from me because I know everything, and he knows nothing. <laughs> so the counselor said, if you were to die tonight and stand before God, and he were to ask you, why should I let you into my rest? What are you going to tell him? And I said, oh, I'm a good person. I believe my good will outweigh my bad. And he shared verses that you're all familiar with, you know, like uh, 
Romans 3, 23, 6, 23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death. The big one that got me was Ephesians 2, 8, 9. For by grace you've been saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is a free gift of God, not as a result of works, lest no one should boast. So long story short on that, I, I went back to my apartment in Parthenia where I lived and I got on, my, on the floor of my apartment and I said, Lord God, if you can do anything with me, you know, I believe you're God. I believe you paid the penalty for my sins. I believe you took my, my, my you know, sin and bore it. And you rose on the third day showing us your power over sin and death. I just want to follow you and I don't know what that means. So I waited for angels and lightning. None of that happened, you know, but all of a sudden, you know, Things didn't seem right anymore. I thought, well, I got to keep this paraphernalia and these drugs because that would be poor stewardship. I mean, you got to use it all up before I, you know, and a couple of weeks went by and I realized that, um, you know, by the power of the Holy Spirit in me, I was being convicted. And so I went to my dumpster out there on Parthenia and I remember throwing away thousands, back in those days was a lot, thousands of dollars worth of paraphernalia, posters, alcohol, whatever it was. And so I didn't know what the journey was going to look like, but... So here at Grace, I'm sitting there, you know, listening to MacArthur in 1979. I'm like, what in the world could I possibly do and how am I going to serve? There is nothing that God could use for me because now I realize that I don't know anything and that I'm a worthless sinner who's been saved by the grace of God. So I looked in the bulletin one day and it said they needed a driver to drive some women to, uh, not women, a group, but it was primarily women to juvenile hall. And I thought, well, I have a commercial driver's license. I can do that. So I start driving these ladies. You, I don't know if anybody knows any of them. There was a Lucy Bennett who's passed away. There was a Pat Smith who's passed away. There is an elder here, John Scott. I think he's a doctor. So Dr. Scott, he used to join us, and we'd drive there. And so one day they said, you know, you should share your testimony. I go, I don't have a testimony. And so Lucy Bennett said, you should always be ready to give an answer for the hope that's in you. And I went... Okay, you know, and so some, put some stuff together and prayed, and then uh, a few years went by, and I started joining Rich Hines, who used to be a chaplain here, a former elder, and Rich uh, was overseeing chaplaincy over at the Pitches Detention Center at what then was called East Max, East Facility. And so I started just coming once a month, and for about 18 years while I was working a full-time job in the electronics industry, I just went and started to try to grow in the, you know, the word of God, took some Logos classes here. And, um, you know, of course I was, I was required, which I didn't see why I needed it. Cause I was so smart still. I wasn't, am not now, uh, but basically started just to learn more and grow in the wisdom and knowledge of the world. You know, grace is a fine church when they put you into a, a ministry position, they want you to be equipped so that we, uh, you know, the word of God says, lest not many of you become teachers for such will have a stricter judgment. So Rich and a guy named Greg Barshaw, who was running special ministries that I worked with, started requiring that I go and start taking different classes. So for 18 years, I was able to serve as a volunteer in the L.A. County jails once a month. And then about 22 years ago, uh, a, a man from here, Bill Rogowski, was the chaplain of the facility. And he said, I want you to become a chaplain and help me you know, on Sundays because I teach at my church on Sundays and I need somebody um, you know, to be here, and you go to church on Saturday night. I was at a church in Simi Valley at the time, and I thought, well, man, I travel all week. Saturdays I go to church, and then on Sunday I'm going to be at the jail each week. 
but he just said, you know, I need you to do this. You need to help me out because I was just being lazy. So I didn't know what it meant to be a chaplain. I just thought what I've been doing for 18 years, but needed to go through the elder board and get licensed, go through the sheriff's department. So I became a chaplain, but a year later, something very significant happened, which was, he said, I'm leaving and going to uh, take a, he's up at Folsom now, but he said, I'm leaving. I need you to be the senior chaplain for about a three seconds. I thought that was cool because of pride, like, oh, senior chaplain, that sounds good. And I thought, wait, I said, Bill, I can't do that. I go, I'm working all week. I'm traveling, you know, all around and doing all this stuff. He said, if you don't do it, the Catholics are going to take over all of our slots. <laughs> you know, like, kind of like maybe God brought you here for a moment just like this. Well, if I tell the king, he might kill me if I'm not invited in. You know, so I didn't want to do it, you know, but I thought, well, okay, I'll do it. Well, then I met with my, my sergeant that I reported to, and I said, you know, his name was Donald Downs. I go, Sergeant Down, I said, I'm working all week. I'm doing, you know, I, I gave him every reason to tell me that I couldn't take this position. He goes, I can live with that. Well, the sheriff's department, I realize now looking back, um, you know, I had to be generally administratively minded to be in the electronics industry and do what I did. And I didn't realize that was going to look really good in the sheriff's department because it's not very structured from an administrative point of view. Good, great department. There's a good bunch of good people in there, but from an administrative point of view, they just liked that paperwork was being turned in. So as years went by, I realized that you can do a lot of things, but you're not going to do them very well. And it was very evident to me that, man, this is not good. You know, I'm you know, taking calls while I'm on business trips. I'm bringing my journal pad with me. I'm there every Sunday coordinating. And I'm not complaining. I'm just saying that you can only do so much and hopefully do it with excellence, right? So... I was working for a company that ultimately got bought by Honeywell, and this goes back about 15 years ago. The church I was going to, by the grace of God, um, took me in as an associate pastor over local outreach, and I didn't get to go to the jail all the time, but it gave me flexibility and an opportunity to just be able to be into the jails because I have the senior chaplain role with 70 volunteers, a facility with 4,000 inmates. There's a lot going on, a lot of moving parts, and I'm not doing a very good job, and I know it. We're not vetting people properly. We're not being good stewards of biblical materials that are being handed out. So I uh, talked to one of the associate pastors at the church I was at, and he's, uh, was, he used to be a children's hunger fund. He was a Latin American director, a guy named Jose Luis Amestica. And he looks at me one day, he goes, why don't you start a nonprofit prison ministry? <laughs> and I said, because I'm lazy. I said, I don't want that responsibility. I don't want to do that. So a year went by, and the Lord put it on my heart to, to start this Only Hope Prison Ministries and didn't know what it was going to do, what was going to happen, but the Lord put all the building blocks in place. An administrative pastor at the church I was at helped us with all the, you know, establishing a 501c3 and doing all that stuff. And Rich Hines, the guy that I mentioned, my mentor from here at Grace, is on staff with our ministry as the director of chaplain training. Ten years ago when we started Only Hope Prison Ministries, you know, he uh, was working for a ministry that just went under. And he called me and he goes, Frank, we're like running out of money at our prison ministry for my chaplain training that he's been doing around the country for 15 years. I said, well, if any money comes into Only Hope Prison Ministries, you can be our first employee because I'm working full time at the church at this point. So it didn't, I didn't need it, you know. And so anyway, Rich came on board. Uh, it'll be almost 11 years this June. He's still with us. He's like 75 now, lives in Washington, but he travels around the country and conducts our, it's about a 230-hour course. It's, it's generally, uh, it is a um, correspondence course, but twice a year we'll meet 
in you know you know specific locations like Chicago, Los Angeles, some on the East Coast. And so uh, Rich is with us now. So things were starting to happen, but at the same time, still doing a lot of things and not doing things very well. So now we have this nonprofit. I'm able to delegate some stuff to individuals and bring a few people on staff. We, you know, we don't have any money coming in from the government. We don't have any money coming in from uh, you know other entities. It's just individuals, churches, you know, and stuff like that. So about. Five years ago, so we're rolling along, and about five years ago, the sheriff's department said, um, we'd like you to, to, to uh, be the liaison for the county of Los Angeles. So what that means is uh, Los Angeles has seven active jails right now. We have four in Cass Stake, two in downtown Los Angeles, like Min Central Jail, Twin Towers, and then there's a women's facility called Century Regional Detention Facility. And so uh, they said, we want you know you to be the overseer. You would have... Uh, liaison and oversight over these, this Protestant group. You, you'll have uh, seven senior chaplains and uh, about 400 volunteers. And so, you know, I went ahead and took it, but not knowing how I was going to do it. But I thought, well, if I'm in that position, that I'll have, if I'm walking with God and I'm hopefully being honoring to our great God, then, and I pray to Him, then at least we'll have some people that are are biblically minded and like-minded, you know, for the gospel of Jesus Christ, because that's not the case, was not the case in LA County jails. It's, to me, in some cases, at some of the facilities, like, like, um, you know, the day of the judges where everyone did what was right in their own sight. I won't mention the facility, but at one facility, we had a senior chaplain there for 22 years, and he just let whoever come in, you know, who wanted to come in. And so uh, they got in through our system and, you know, I'll just say evil materials were being handed out, false doctrines. And so I just thought, well, if I could have oversight over things like that and, you know, pray and come before God, you know, God will clean up the county, not me per se, but just what, what do we do? I'm just giving one facility as an example, and I'll talk about what's happened there. So I went ahead and took it on, and, and, but, you know, I'm still working full time. At that time, I was at Children's Hunger Fund working with Dave Phillips and the group. And had a good job making, you know, not that it's about money, but making good money, medical benefits. And so one of my board members said, um, why aren't you going full-time through Only Hope? I said, well, I like the fact that I'm not being paid through the ministry. It's been around five years now. It's cool when people say, what can we do? I'll say, well, pray and give money. And I didn't mind saying pray and give money to the ministry because I wasn't collecting anything. Once you're in the ministry and you're the founder and the president of it, you know, it's like you don't want to be you know, getting ahead of God and just, you know, using relationships or friendships or lunches to have people donate money to it. I'm not, a, I said, I'm not a fundraiser. Well, this, this, one of my board members um, who I love, Kevin Malone, he used to be the general manager of the Dodgers. And so he talked to me like I was one of his rookies. He goes, well, I'll help you, you know? And I went, okay, as he's yelling at me. And he did, and he has, and he's still on our board. He founded the U.S. Institute for Human Trafficking. So we've been working with trafficking ministries as well, with Only Hope Prison Ministries, and, and then we have ties now in the Sheriff's Department, and we try to help, you know, men and women, um, you know, transition, not go back to, uh, you know, trafficking, pimps, and whatnot, and we have some safe houses and things like that, and Kevin's helped us with that over the years. So I went ahead and, and went full-time. It'll be five years this September, but I realize now, looking back, not that I'm so needed, but need to have, like, feet on the ground, to be able to understand and to know what's going on. And I never knew how bad it was at some of our facilities. We had two rogue facilities when I went in uh, five years ago, my initial message to the senior chaplains. 
I had one guy that, you know, yelled at me in front of the other senior chaplains. It was kind of cool. He, he was overseeing one of our largest facilities, and he said, well, I'm not doing any of that. And you're not the boss. I mean, you can't tell me what to do. And I went, okay. So anyway, what I brought up to this chaplain, I said, we'll just grandfather that stuff in for now because it wasn't like anything that he could be like let go for. And then I watched over the last um, three years him leave, move away. We have a God-honoring chaplain in that facility now. And all of the evil books that were being passed out, I won't go into the names, it doesn't matter, they're gone. And when you walk in now, you'll see shelves filled with R.C. Sproul, John MacArthur's books. Grace Community, I mentioned, you know, in the other room there, when they opened us up during the pandemic, we started with 20,000 copies. Then it went to 40, then 60. We've handed out about 60,000 books. And we have some partner prisons that we're, we're close with that have receiving them as well. Grace to You does have a ministry that will help prisons equip them. But now with us being tied directly into them, they've opened up the floodgates. So we've got, you know, a couple storage facilities in Silmar that are donated from one of our donors. And it's filled right now with probably, you know, forty, fifty thousand dollars no, I'm sorry, about two hundred thousand dollars worth of books. Because of supply chain, it takes grace to you to get a long time to get stuff in. But we have seven active jails that we try to keep stocked. And so for us wanting to be good stewards, we know that owners, you know, have rights. Stewards have responsibilities and we're stewards. So we're going to be held responsible for who's teaching, what are they teaching, what are we handing out, and God's going to hold us all accountable for it. So now we have it to the point where all of our seven jails are stocked completely with like almost 20 titles of John's books, and they're flying off the shelves. I'll walk up to uh, an inmate, say, at the Castake North County Correctional Facility. He'll see a John's books. He'll go, hey, Chaplain, come here, come here. Go, what, man? I go, yeah, I got a book. How about Hard to Believe? No, I read Hard to Believe. I read Prodigal Son. I read Gospel According to Jesus. I've read, you know, 12 Ordinary Men. And I'm like, okay. And so to my surprise, I just thought it might be too heady for him, too much scripture, which we want. But it's just gone crazy. Same thing at the women's facility. Susan's been um, teaching there on Sundays now, a uh, couple to three Sundays a month for the last five years or five-ish years, something like that. And same thing's happening at the women's facility. So as this happened, the train wreck facility that I didn't think was it, and it doesn't matter because you don't know the chaplain was Twin Towers, which had 4,000 people in it. And so I looked, and I think I brought up during the meeting, I'm like, what is this stuff? And I thought, well, wait a minute, I'm responsible. Well, the chaplain was ingrained, you know, ingrained in there, you know, but he ended up having some medical problems, which I'm not happy about. I actually love the guy. And he ended up going off, and I became the interim senior chaplain until I could put somebody in place. And so we had a throwaway Tuesday where we threw away seven pallets, seven pallets of books that were, the, the deputies in their back, they had this big dump. Like, what are you guys doing? I go, ah, we don't want this stuff. And we're just, we're just a formed assembly line and we're just chucking this stuff, you know, into the trash, you know. So now it's, it's stocked up with, you know, God-honoring books. The Gideons give us, uh, you know, just... I don't want to be in the numbers. We literally get like a million dollars a year worth of biblical materials between fundamentals of the faith. Any inmate that, you know, would like a study Bible, we'll give them a MacArthur or, or you know, R.C. Sproul's Bible or, you know, uh, a new, uh, what do you call it, uh, New King James from Living Water. But they, it's mandatory and they know it in the system now. They have to go through fundamentals. In the beginning, it was challenging. Now an inmate will go, I've already done that 10 times. Oh, you're a frequent flyer. 
I said, we should you know, start an awards program for you because they go in and out of the system, in and out of the system. Some will do well when they're in the facility. Then they get release intoxication when they're released, and they end up going back to you know, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life. But we also you know, want to focus on how God is transforming lives, you know, how God is, is taking those individuals like Lawrence Roth that was up there in Cami and just saving them because we don't do it. But what we're trying to do is just really build a, uh, a network so that like today is kind of cool because we are at every women's grace. Susan sat through it and I'm like, okay, well, it's 10 o'clock. I'm not coming back till 12. I thought, well, Lord, maybe I'll fall up on some phone calls. Maybe I'll, I pray that the Lord would order my day every day. What I didn't know what was going to happen today was going to happen was pretty cool. Sitting on a bench and Pastor Rick McLean comes walking by. I go, Rick, hey, what's going on, brother? Well, we start talking and I, you know, he asked me a couple questions. I said, and I figured he's busy. He's walking fast with his books to his office, which is right over there. He goes, no, come on in. I got some time. I went, all right. He goes, I wanted to tell you about this guy anyway named Andrew. And I go, okay. Or James Andrew. I go, what about James Andrew? He said, well, he's, he wrote me a letter. He was in prison for 35 years. He just got released I had Jason and, and, and Tia, who's a, 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 probate, a parole officer that I know that goes to Grace. Check him out, and you know he's, he can, he's able to come here, and he showed up. And so we started talking, and I go, hey, he's right over on Orion. So Rick and I went over to Orion to where he's at right now, which he just got out of prison. We met with him, and we're able to pray with him, and we're going to help him to get in here for classes. He's... Uh, got a, a bad knee and stuff like that. So I just spent about an hour with Rick and this, you know, former inmate that's coming to Grace Church now. And then as I came back here, I get a phone call from uh, a chaplain named uh, Mark Matthew from Idaho. I've been trying to help somebody in an Idaho jail, but I've, I've been unsuccessful. And my son lives out there, gave me the name of an association that I thought blew me off. And I get this guy, he calls me just 30 minutes ago. He says, I'm so glad I got a hold of you. Do you go to Grace Church? I go, yes. And he goes, oh, man, do I ever need help out here getting books. I'm overseeing three prison facilities. So this is what I did during the, 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 you know, that, that short time in here where I was sitting on a bench. But God is so, he's just so amazing because I didn't do anything. You know, We just want to be available and do what he would have us to do. So anyway, fast-tracking to where we're at today, You know, we have... Um, Nine employees and all of the money that comes into Only Hope Prison Ministries is going out to God-honoring senior chaplains. At the Twin Towers where we had that chaplain that, you know, the, the uh, judges one, where everyone did what was right in their own sight, it's really cool. We, had, we have seminary students. We have 16 of them right now. We generally have anywhere from 10 to 20-ish, depending on the year, and this year is growing quite a bit. But we had a couple of them. One, a guy named David Vroman, goes to Grace Life. He's from New Jersey. Um, he came out here and he wanted to get involved in jail ministry, so we had him come in. Well, David ended up becoming an intern with us while he was going through seminary. We paid him a little bit of money to help him through seminary through our Only Hope Prison Ministries. And so when he's getting ready to graduate a few years ago, right around COVID, I go, what are you going to do when you graduate? He goes, I don't know. I go, you going back to New Jersey? He goes, I don't know. And I go, all right, well. This is a year before he graduated. I go, maybe consider, I said, we don't have any money, but if any money comes in, maybe you can come in and, you know, serve here. I've got, I think we're going to have some senior chaplains that are going to leave. Another inmate, another inmate, another TMS student, a guy named Stephen Dunn. Uh, Stephen, you know, 
I don't know, he's in his 50s when he came here five years ago. Blackhawk helicopter pilot, JAG attorney, um, you know, just, uh, uh, just a major in the, in, the, in the army. He's out here and he's humble. He doesn't bring up any of that stuff. And I bring it up. He goes, don't talk about it. I go, well, you did it. I mean, come on. I mean, these folks in the sheriff's department, they like that kind of stuff. I go, they think we're all a bunch of idiots coming in here, bringing in the Bible. They, you actually have all them trumped with your credentials. What are you going to do when you leave? He goes, I don't know. Well, he hung around for a year after he graduated and was serving with us. I said, well, you, you know, you, you need money. He goes, well, I have some coming in from the military. But I said, can you live on it? He said, no. I go, well, let us pay you a little bit. You can intern with us. He took over seven months ago at the Twin Towers Correctional Facility, the rogue facility. He's there now. And I'll tell you, God is using him as his vehicle to clean it up. And those rogue folks in there, we had one threatened lawsuits against us. So I won't go into all the details because I'm going to run out of time. But we had so many things that have been happening. And yet we're watching God remove the people we've wanted to see gone. Some that I don't even believe are saved that are in there doing a so-called bragamony and thinking that they're bringing something that, that God needs his, our help, which he doesn't, right? So that gives you a little bit of a snapshot because I'm not going to go too much into a lot because I'm going to open it up for a little bit of you know, questions and stuff like that because I think 12.50 is the time you want to be done, right? 10 more minutes, something like that. So I don't want to rush through anything. But um, basically, it's just been a blessing. We're having fun. So... One of the questions that I saw when I uh, looked through the, uh, you know, paperwork to come in here, you know, the information was, what was it like during the pandemic? So the pandemic comes and I'm thinking, okay, Lord, I hope Children's Hunger Fund has an opening. You're probably going to have to take me back because no one's going to give any money to a prison ministry because you know, many folks have an idea or a thought in their mind that, oh, they all deserve to be there. We just forget about Romans 3.23, for all of sin and fall short of the glory of God. The only difference between them and us is what clothes they're wearing. We're all wicked and wretched before a holy God, and we're in need of a Savior. So I, but I, you know, I'm just being realistic. When I was at Children's Hunger Fund, if I would, you know, go and talk about, oh, you know, please consider giving to CHF, well, every money would come in. Talk about the jail minister, like, you. So I just realized that I need to, what I've decided to do is I go to the Lord in prayer because I'm not a fundraiser, and we just bring it before God. Well, the pandemic hits. Get a, a meeting with Paul Ackerman and over at Grace to You, and the floodgates open for John's books to come into the jail. God, through Sheriff Inueva, we don't get kicked out because throughout the whole country, and in some places still to this day, they don't let volunteers in, but they let us in. And they, they said, you're first responders. We want you in there. And we have, you know, we have death notifications. We have, um, gosh, you name it, counseling requests. We have stacks and stacks of paperwork from inmates that just say, I want to see a chaplain. We can walk up to the bars and I'll be talking to this person. here. Susan will say, Would you, well, I had three people to see. I saw 42 and I was there four hours instead of an hour and a half. Because I walk up to the bars and I'll be talking to one guy and then there's somebody on the phone crying, motioning at me like, don't leave. And then I'm done with this guy who blew me off. And then this guy on the phone says, you know, I just lost my sister. Would you pray with me? So during COVID, a lot of things happened. But uh, the other thing that happened was, you know, we had some large year-end donations in 2018. And it left us with a little bit of money in the bank but it was going away every month. It was going away, going away. And so um, we went ahead and uh, I wrote a, just an email to my board because I'm, once again, not a fundraiser. And Grace Community Church ended up helping us with some funds. Um, you know, Grace GMI does send some funds that I don't have go to me. I just put it into the main ministry. 
So that was really cool. And then lastly, before I open it up for questions, during the pandemic, the deputies and all the staff said, hey, you guys are here and you don't have to be? I have to be here. What draws you in here? I said, well, we just want to come and proclaim the truth about Christ and how much he loves, you know, like for God so loved the world, you know. We're here because this is where we feel we're supposed to be. He goes, well, where's the other groups? Where are the Catholics? Where are they? I go, I'm going to go ask them why they're not coming in here. Jehovah Witnesses have stopped coming in and haven't, and we're glad because they were very destructive. Many of the groups, like Mormons and Jehovah Witnesses, will use the name Christian and draw people in only to give them their false doctrine. Christian science do the same thing. During the pandemic, none of them came in. I mean, county of Los Angeles, out of 600 volunteers, none of them came in. Well, guess who they saw when there was a death notification? We have extractions where inmates won't come out of a cell. A chaplain has to be present and talk to them before they take them out by force. We were there for those. Well, guess who they got to know? Steve Davis from Grace Community Church, Stephen Dunn. Because of the 400 Protestant volunteers, there was only, during the worst of the pandemic, about 15 or 20 of us coming in. So all the deputies and everyone knew it was us. Well, then God put it on our heart to... uh, have a, we just called it a deputy appreciation lunch. Remember when the deputies and everybody are being bashed? Because if somebody kills somebody and it's a police officer, then they're all bad, right? They're all no good. Well, that's that. we like to throw everybody into one group. They, they've done it with me where I've walked in and we had a, a, a group that came in and left a, something that got turned into a weapon and I walked in one day and the deputy goes, oh, one of you guys, because they lump us all into one group. Buddhists, Christians, I go, What? And he goes, well, you know, look what happened here. And I went, hey, I heard it. Did you hear about that thing over in Missouri where that, I don't think you're all a bunch of killers. All right, good point. Get out of here. You know, so that kind of stuff happens. But at any rate, um, we decided to have a deputy appreciation lunch. Um, you know, I got a hold of Dave Phillips because I know that In-N-Out used to do some stuff with CHF and here at Grace. So I got a hold of the folks at In-N-Out and God is so gracious. And churches throughout the Southland, including Grace Community Church, um, Rocky Peak, Shepherd, just a bunch of churches says we went at, want in on that. Over two years, we had the privilege of going to one station and all the jails, seven different events over two years, 6,000 double-double meals, a cost of around $70,000, not a penny came out of our ministry, which we didn't have the money for that anyway. And everybody just got behind it. Uh, but more importantly than the burgers, I mean, God gave us favor through us being in when no one else is, was, God gave us favor when, you know, we got these double-double meals going out, right? But we also were able to hand out almost, you know, 1,800-plus study Bibles, books. We had one scene where the guy's standing there with a teddy bear. In fact, if you go to if you have an opportunity, grab the little prayer card, and if you could pray for us, that would be great. If you're rich, send us millions of dollars, because I owe you all a lot of money right now, right? A million for each person, Um, and... You know, you know, I, like I said, I'm not a fundraiser, but just to let you know, we're a clean ministry and that we want to be honoring to God. And I know a lot of ministries boast about, like, they have hardly anything going to administrative, like March of Dimes and all those, like, you know, 70% go towards their administrative and 30 to the ministry. Um, we literally, I just, we just did our 990s. Um, this is our 10th, 10th one that we just processed. We're under, we're, oh no, she said we're a percent and a quarter for administrative cost. So we're not blowing money on stuff. You know, the salaries, are, the money's going towards supporting God-honoring chaplains and stuff. But at any rate, we had all these books and these Bibles going out, which has just been 
fabulous. But we had uh, one scene where the guy standing with the teddy bear, he's got a book in his hands, he's looking down. We had another deputy that came and was crying, saying, I'm going through divorce, will you help me? For the first time in the 40 years I've been in the L.A. County Sheriff's Department, we were being invited to stuff. We were being going, going to ask, you know, to go places. And then I had an, I got asked to join Sheriff Inueva's advisory council. I didn't know what that meant because I don't want to get into political stuff. But they've had some events, and I'm like, I'm never doing that again, you know. But they had one where I received a call, and they said, can you get uh, food boxes? I go, well, yeah, you know, I have friends over at Valley Food Bank. And so two weeks ago, I took three of our, two of our senior chaplains. We were able to get 500 boxes of food to an impoverished neighborhood in one of the worst parts of Los Angeles. It wasn't our event. It was a community advisory council, which I'm one of. So I went ahead and brought... Um, the Gospel of John, the real nice ones from Living Water, the Way to God track, and we had this little kid, and all this is on our website, by the way, so you can check this out to our newsletters. But we were able to hand out, like, I think 600 Bibles and tracts and stuff like that. So there's really cool stuff happening, and it's given us favor with the Sheriff's Department to where, you know, where they wouldn't even talk to us. I saw one of our guys dumped over something, and a bunch of people came and helped them pick it up. You might think, well, that's just normal courtesy. Nope. It wasn't happening because 40 years ago when I came in, it was them and us. You're inmate lovers. They've all been dropped on their heads and they can never be rehabilitated. And you're an idiot for thinking you can come in here and, and do anything. Now, these aren't, this isn't my imagination. I was told that by deputies over the year on a few occasions. Now we're coming in and they're like, oh, you guys. Yeah, you're one of us. You know, you're part of our team. You're part of our group. And so that's what, and then when they even meet a guy like Steve, I told him, dude, you might not have this thing with your little helicopter and your jag attorney, but when you met the captain, they just kind of looked like, because we're dealing with, you know, like this is the 1040 window in the sheriff's department. You're looking at the vast majority of people are not followers of Christ. And so when they see someone with those credentials, I'm like, we're not going to use that, but it is who you are. It's what God had you do. And you left all that. You could be making a couple hundred thousand dollars a year you know, in Washington, D.C., he was a JAG attorney, and yet you chose to stay here for what we're paying you? So anyway, that gives you a little bit of a 50,000-foot view of everything that's going on. If you have an opportunity and you go into our website and you go into the About section, you'll see newsletters. Um, the, the media guy here at Grace, Michael, helped us put it in this MailChimp format, so they're actually quite nice. Some of the stories I told about the December, there's only like three of them on there, and our April one's coming out. If you'd like to be on getting one of those, you, you can, you know, let, let me know. You can, uh, you know, I'm very easy to track down. You go to our website. My cell phone number's on there, my email address. We can add you to that list if you just like to receive. Don't feel obligated to give us any money. I just brought it up because we don't, money comes in from no other way. If you can afford it, great. If not, if you would pray for us, that is the most important thing you can do, not give money, but pray because I've watched God divinely intervene and bless this ministry. I thought we were going to be out of, out of work in 2020 and 2021. And yet um, last year, 2021, was our highest revenue year. And we were able to bring in David Roman and Steve Dunn as senior chaplains. By the way, we had four senior chaplains leave, and it was a good thing because there were people that shouldn't have been there. And now who's overseeing the county of Los Angeles now are primarily our seminary graduates. I have one senior chaplain that's not on staff with Only Hope Prison Ministries, and he's a fine man of God. He just doesn't need any money, so he's not through our ministry. So in that, we only have a few minutes left, so I'm just going to open it up for any questions. How did you meet your wife? My wife? So we both had marriages that um, went sideways. You know, the uh, individuals went off and 
you know, you know what I mean. At any rate, I was a single guy. Susan came here from Malaysia because uh, she had a, you know, a scholarship to go to Arizona State. And so she thought, I'm going to do the world stuff. You know, I, I want to, you know, I want to be a newscaster, maybe in business. So she went ahead and got her, her MBA and married uh, her, her college sweetheart. But it turned out that when he was traveling, he was a dutiful husband at home and a single man when he was traveling. So they ended up getting divorced. And when, and when, when he left her for an 18-year-old girl when they were in their 20s, Alex was two and a half years old and he's grown up on there now. And Eric was a little baby. And so she was single for seven years. And one of my volunteers that came into the jail to lead worship with his beautiful God-given voice, his, his wife, Robin, said, oh, you got to meet the piano teacher. She's single. And I went, Robin, I travel all week. I'm at church Saturday night. I'm at the jail on Sunday. I don't want to meet anybody. And I've got three kids. You know, I don't need to meet anybody. So eight, ten months went by, and I kept hearing about the piano teacher, the piano teacher. And I ended up going to a recital in Simi Valley at a Korean church where she stayed. Her ex-husband was Korean. She's 100% Chinese. And so I show up that night. I traveled all week. I was exhausted. I rode my mountain bike in the morning and went to church Saturday night, which when we had our services, all waiting to go to the jail the next morning. I thought, I'm going home. I'm not supposed to be there. Nobody knows I'm coming. I'll go. So I showed up. I was dressed about the way I am now. And I see this empty parking lot. It's uh, January 31st, 20 years ago. And I see a silhouette of a body coming out of another building. As the person came closer, it was a, an Asian woman in a you know, very nice you know, dress. And so I thought, this must be the piano teacher. But as she got closer, I went, oh, she's really pretty. <laughs> so we go. So I'm like, woke up. I wasn't tired anymore. I forgot about... <laughs> No, I did. I, I literally forgot about traveling all week. It was like, I didn't travel all week. I'm fine. I'm good. So I'm sitting there. Well, the, the piano recital was on Christian composers, and she had like a presentation that went through each piece. Like so, you know, for me being a guy working in the, for the you know Japanese companies for 15 years, I had to go prepared when I went for a presentation. And so I'm listening to her, and I'm going, who is this woman? She's prepared. But what I, what I like more than the preparedness or how beautiful she is to me, and I think she is, but anyway, um, is, was her love for God came out. And I thought, this is a beautiful woman who loves the Lord. So I literally bumped Kevin during this thing, and I said, Kevin, will you sing at my wedding? And he went, he went like this, like that, because we weren't supposed to be talking in there. Another family member of Susan said, I saw that Frank guy. His eye, everywhere you went, he just went like this. So I, I called up Robin to find out how to get her number. And she said, well, she wants tile. Maybe you and Kevin can like go lay tile at her house. I go, what, it's stalker? Like be checking her out while I'm like, that's weird, man. I go, look, she's a big girl. I'm a big boy. If she doesn't want to see me, that's great. Well, two weeks go by. I don't hear anything. And I thought, okay, Lord, I guess, because I wasn't looking for anybody. I had friends that were like, oh, we got to go on these sites. I go, no. You know, Isaac just got up and there was his wife, you know, right there. I don't really want to be doing any of this stuff. Let's be busy doing what the Lord wants us to do. If there's something like that in the future, let the Lord be the one. Susan, after two weeks, was praying and decided because she was determined she'd be single the rest of her life, raise the boys. She was already single for seven years, but she decided after prayer and some talks with her friends, she heard I was involved in the jail prison ministry. She thought, maybe I can just go check out what a brother in the Lord's doing in this type of a ministry. And so we ended up um, going out on a date. Well, I was turned out to get coffee. And I said, well, since you're willing to go get coffee, maybe we can get dinner. We went to Macaroni Grill in Thousand Oaks. And then it just, um, it never ended from there. 
And five months later, we were married, and I went to my pastor at the time, and I said, do you think this is all too soon? And he goes, well, everything I know about you, yeah, I wouldn't be for it. But because some of his children were taking piano lessons for her, here's what he said. If she's actually willing to marry you, and he said it like this, I would say it's okay. So we got married, um, you know, 20, it'll be 20 years ago. This coming July is our 20th wedding anniversary. I had the privilege of adopting Eric and Alex on that picture there. They were nine and seven, and, and I felt like they were my biologicals from the moment I met them. And that was one of the prayers that Susan had if God ever brought a husband and that the man would, you know, be in ministry, that he would love and adore her, which I do more today than I did 20 years ago, which I don't think is possible. But that's our story. That's the, 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 the marriage story, and it's been really cool. And now that, you know, when we left the church we were at in Simi Valley and came, because I wasn't here the whole time since 79, but affiliated with Grace because of guys like Jesse Johnson and Mike Riccardi, that we were, you know, I was the, uh, the uh, avenue for prison ministries. But then, uh, by the grace of God, I'm thankful that they brought me in as a GMI missionary for prisons. I'm very thankful for that. And just to have the covering from grace and a God-honoring church. The guy on the phone from Idaho was like flipping out. What? You're at grace? Oh, Mark Tetlock's on your board. Oh, my gosh. You know, he was so happy because he said he feels like he's out in a, a desert land with no true word of God. And I heard that from the Idaho Chaplain Association blew me off. I'm just trying to get to an inmate in their jail. And it was, I just thought, I called my son. I said, man, you should move back, man. They don't even let you serve there but then this guy called me on fire for the lord so i know i think you're done with me i think i i went but if there's any more questions or if you just want to get out of here it's up to you or i'll get let well we didn't even notice the time because we were just holding on to every word but thanks so much frank what a joy to hear just amazing ways and i know that's only just a very tip of the iceberg and so many ways that the lord has provided opportunity for his word to go forth and so many seeds planted i always remember david fall you know david and lucy who serve in south africa david was one of in one of the correctional facilities when he heard the gospel and now he's serving the lord in South Africa as a GMI missionary. And now if you've read their newsletter recently, they've started their own prison ministry. So praise the Lord. So we're very excited to hear all of these updates. And as Frank mentioned, you can go on their um, website for the GMI website for all the missionaries. And their last, I would say, five or six newsletters maybe are on there. So you can get lots more details. You can hear more of the Roth story and more connections and hear all the wonderful things that the Lord is doing. So very excited to hear today. So let's go ahead and let's pray and close our time and pray for the Master Leonardo's. Heavenly Father, Lord, we are just so amazed as we sit and listen to the mighty and powerful ways that you work, Lord. We give you such praise that you are sovereign and that we just get to be the people of your hand, Lord. We thank you for Frank and Susan and their willingness to be your instruments, to be used by you, Lord, and to be faithful in whatever you put before them. Father, we thank you so much for protecting them, for providing and making their ministry so fruitful. We thank you for giving them favor, Lord, in the eyes of L.A. County, which is a very rare thing. But we thank you that your uh, word, Lord, and your glory is going forth. We thank you so much for also just the connections through our church and through our partner ministries of CHF and grace to you, Lord. Thank you so much for like-minded ministries, partners, 
Father, um, fellow brothers and sisters who are working together to see your name honored, to see people reached with the hope of Christ. Father, we thank you so much for how you have um, gifted Frank, gifted Susan. We thank you for bringing along other brothers in Christ and sisters to minister with them. We thank you for filling in these positions as head chaplains, Lord, of these facilities with godly men who seek to see your name honored. We pray that you'd continue to uphold them, Lord. We pray that you would give them grace to live lives that are above approach, that you would continue to give them a passion for Christ and a zeal to see um, men and women, Lord, turning to Christ and being forgiven for their sins. Lord, we thank you so much for even the nature of this ministry and how so many hearts are drawn to serve here, Lord, as they go into these prisons and these jails and they see people who are convinced, Lord, that they are sinners. There's no uh, beating around the bush, Lord. They are uh, convinced, for the most part, Lord, that they are not good people. And so, Father, we praise you that these men and women are able to go in and give them the truth now of what will they do, Lord, when they stand before you. So, Father, we pray that you continue to bless their ministry, continue to make them faithful, Lord, to give them the energy, to give them the patience and the grace to work through all the details and the administration of everything, Lord. We pray that you'd continue to uh, provide financially for the ministry and that you would continue to bring faithful men and women to partner with it, volunteers and uh, people who would even come on full-time, Lord, to serve, to see uh, your name go forth in these very dark places. Lord, thank you so much again for the time that we can fellowship around uh, the proclamation of your word. In your son's name, amen.